What up, what up, what up, what up, friends? Happy Saturday. Welcome to everyone in the room. Good to see you. If you're watching live on stream, first, second service, YouTube, Spotify, all the nine million ways you have to watch God Squad Church. Sincerely, it's awesome to have you here. I'm excited because today we're starting a new series. Some of you guys don't know, we're doing something today that I want to encourage you to stick around and learn all about, leading all the way up to our five-year anniversary. You're going to get a lot of information over this week and next week, so make sure you stay tuned. we got some awesome stuff coming around the corner that I think will truly, truly not just give you information, but really my goal today is to help us experience the presence of God. I don't want sermons to just be, you just learn a new thing. I don't just want sermons to be, hey, Susie managed to make an acronym, and his, all three points started with the same letter. Right? I do like to do that. It's fun. I do like to do that. But I want our time together to be us gathering together to experience the presence of God. When it comes to 2021 and all the craziness going on in the world and the Internet, it's obviously very clear that the Internet needs more than just cool slogans. If we're going to change the world, we need more than just awesome graphics. We need more than just 1080p, okay? We need more than people that can click faces. We need, we need a true, tangible presence of God that, that impacts our lives, that changes us. And so I'll, I want to challenge you, strap in for the next few weeks as we're about to go on a journey that I'll explain more in a few minutes that I really, really hope will take you deeper and deeper and deeper in your relationship with God than you've ever gone before. So we dive, before we dive into our message, let's take a second to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to be with us. God, sincerely, we just ask you to be here with us. God, I pray for every single person that is hearing the sound of my voice. I pray that ultimately, God, that they would, they would hear your word. I pray that they would know that, God, they are cherished, valued, and that you desire to draw every single one of us closer to you. We pray that, God, you would open up our eyes and our ears and our minds to receive from you. And we'll be careful to give you the glory and the honor. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Has there ever been a moment in your life where maybe you just see someone, something they're doing, or you just see them, and you just ask yourself, how? Like, how are you even able to be this way? How are you able to do these things? There's a bunch of examples, right? I've talked to a lot of women who obviously, after they give birth, right, it has a toll on your body. And I've talked to people who are like, they see other mothers, they're like, how have you had three children and still have six-pack abs? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Like, how have you managed to do this? Maybe how have you managed to be so successfully financially at a young age? Like, how have you managed to do this? Now, some of you guys might know that most of my days are spent playing video games on Twitch. And most of my days are spent playing video games. Not as well as some other people who also play video games. Now, I think I'm pretty decent. But there are some people I see on Twitch, and I'm just like, How? How can you be this good at video games? How are you this cracked? I just recently started playing Valorant, which is, uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a, a strategic game in terms of its tactics, because I'll aim at your face, and I'm shooting over there. It, I, I still am learning and grasping the process, and I'm literally watching people like Shroud play Valorant, and they're aiming like 10 feet below their feet to the bottom left, and then the screen just says, headshot. But how? How does this make any sense? People are flicking left and right. People are getting op scopes. People, people are getting all this kind of crazy stuff. I'm just sitting there going, how? How, how are you able to be this nasty? Maybe you've started playing Valorant or other games, and you've seen people play whatever game you're thinking of, but you've seen them play at this level, and you're just left wondering, 
How? Let's check this out. Planted. Oh. One enemy remaining. <gasps> One more, I believe. And there it is. Okay. First, the thing you're wondering is how is there no audio? <laughs> but you are watching that clip and you're going, Susie, I I've seen you play, and yeah, it don't look like that. <laughs> it, it don't look like that. See, because when I aim at people in the face, it doesn't click them in the head. But when they do it, it works. And I'm still trying to figure out. How? I watch these other people stream, I watch these other people play, and maybe you're left with same of the same thoughts that I have. How? How can people have achieved this level of success? How can people be this good? How can they do it? And recently, I've been literally trying to figure out how, watching a million YouTube videos, but one of the number one reasons that I've been able to find that people are this cracked at Valorant is because they don't just play Valorant all day long. There's actually a very, very common game going around right now. It's called Aim Labs, that a lot of people will spend time every day before they jump into Valorant, warming up, practicing their skills, getting better, and oftentimes on stream, you get to see the finished product. You get to see these people that have spent hours clicking heads and they're super good. Oftentimes in life, you get to see the finished product of someone that's in great shape. You get to see the finished product of someone that's got their finances in order when I'm over here eating ice cream way too many times a month, right? We got people that you see the finished product that oftentimes we don't see the process. We don't see the process of how they got to the finished product and what you don't always get to see from streamers is moments where they're playing aim labs and for hours a day doing things like this. Check this out. Ready? Go for it. My brain hurts already. It's insane. It actually is insane. And what you don't get is, yeah, I mean, my wife is like, huh? You don't understand that in order to get at that cracked level, that Valorant clip you saw, that off stream, sometimes people are doing this for hours and hours and hours. I've been starting my stream with one or two or three rounds of aim labs, trying to get better, trying to grind, and trying to practice. And oftentimes, the difference between who you are and who you want to be is discipline. It's a word I hate. It's a word I think most of us probably don't enjoy. Discipline. I mean, even it just sounds bad. It's even got too many syllables. I'm like, I don't even like to say words that have more than one syllable. You know what I'm saying? I talk a lot. I'm like, if I could just speak one syllable words all day long, my life would be easier. Discipline. It's a word that I don't like. You probably don't like either. When I use the word discipline, there's probably a ton of areas in your life that you're already thinking, I know I gotta be more disciplined and spending my money and the food I eat and all this stuff. And discipline is something that none of us really like to talk about. But I think it's because it's probably one of the most important things that we need to talk about. I I'm not gonna stand up here and try to tell you that I'm the most disciplined person on the planet because I'm not. It's an area I wanna grow in because I know that for my life, discipline is the difference between where I am and where I wanna be. Discipline, doing the things that I don't want to do, doing the things that I know that I need to do, is the difference between who I am today and who God has created me to actually become. My fullest potential will never be achieved if I continue a lack 
of discipline. And I want to be very, very clear. Every single one of you has been given immense purpose by God. Every single one of you have an immense calling and destiny in your life, but discipline will be the difference between you thriving and you simply surviving. And I don't know about you, but when we look at the gaming community of over 3 billion gamers, we are never going to change the world if we continue to be a community of shallow, undisciplined followers of Jesus. We're going to need to go to a deeper level if we're going to help make a bigger impact for the glory of God. And what I want to do for the next few weeks is I want to begin a conversation about spiritual disciplines. There are physical disciplines, financial disciplines, but in the same way, the thing that is keeping you from growing in your health, in your gaming abilities, the same thing that is keeping you from growing in your spiritual relationship with God is discipline. It's the things that we don't want to do, the things that take time, the things that take Hard work, and I know for me in my life, sometimes I struggle with discipline. I don't always have it together. And please hear me, if you've been in church for a long time, you've probably heard about spiritual disciplines before, but they've always come from the perspective that if you don't pray like 45 minutes every single day, you're a bad Christian. If you don't pray 45 minutes and read your Bible every single day, you mean you've never even finished the whole Bible? You think you're saved? I've heard so many sermons about spiritual disciplines that always leave me feeling guilty rather than encouraged. That always make me feel like I'm a horrible Christian rather than empowering me to do more with my life for the glory of God. And so today, my goal, yes, is to challenge you and to challenge myself, but not through the avenue of guilt, not through the avenue of shame, but to hopefully rise in our hearts a deeper love for Jesus so that we want to read his word more so that we want to pray more, so that we're willing to do the hard stuff, the spiritual disciplines, because if I'll be honest, I, I have a confession. Sometimes even I struggle to pray every single day. I'd love to tell you, that, man, I'm like 6,000 days straight, haven't missed a day with the Lord at all. It wouldn't be true. Now, I don't want you to think that, wow, Susie never prays. He just gets up on stage and says some stuff. No, I, I, I do pray, but I wish I prayed more. I, I do read the Bible but I wish I read it more. I, I do have some discipline, but I wish I had more. I wish I was going even deeper in my relationship with God so I can make an even bigger impact. And there are many of us in our community that I know struggling with spiritual disciplines. And I want to encourage you to join our church in a journey over the next several weeks as we ask the Holy Spirit to change us to transform us, and to do the things that sometimes we don't want to do, but to do them because we need to do them. You've looked at people and you've asked yourself the question, how? How are you able to do that? How can you do this? And the answer is discipline. And it's not just in your physical body. It's not just in your finances, but it's in your spiritual life too. For me, I'm a pastor, so obviously I love to watch a lot of sermons and love to really learn more things about God and preaching and things like that. And for me, one person that I always ask myself how, maybe you've heard of him, his name is Billy Graham. Billy Graham, in my opinion, is probably the most effective evangelist who ever lived besides Jesus himself. Billy Graham knew how to communicate the story of Jesus 
the story of the gospel that we're trying to communicate every single day to people in a way that I don't think any other human being has ever done in the history of mankind. Especially because he had the opportunity of television and filling up arenas. He reached so many people for Christ. And a lot of times, people like me, they look at his life and they see him standing in these huge stadiums. And you ask yourself, how? How? I mean, we've been here in Midlothian. We got like six people in the room. Like, COVID's messing everything up. But even before COVID hit, like, we didn't know how we was going to do that. How? How are people able to get this many people to attend a service? How are people able to get so many people to attend their church? And you look at the finished product, and you ask, How? but you don't always get to see the process. Because just like streamers who come on stream and are super cracked at Valorant, but they've also spent hours playing aim labs, we look at people like Billy Graham and we look at their life and we say, how? And the answer is discipline. Because you get to see pictures of him in stadiums, but you might not always get to see pictures of this. That to get nations back on their feet, we must first get down on our knees. You didn't get to see the hundreds, if not thousands of hours that Franklin Graham, Billy Graham's son, would tell about how his father was spending time in prayer, studying and, and reading God's word. Because Billy Graham is one of, the, one of the few men to have done revolutionary things for the kingdom of God, and then when he died, not had a bad story come out about him. Because he was disciplined. Disciplined in his marriage. Disciplined in the way he treated his children. Disciplined in how he spent time in his relationship with Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I would love to be a little bit more like Billy Graham. It would be an honor if we could get that many people to be a part of God Squad Church. But I promise you it will never happen if we aren't disciplined. And so what I want to do today is I want to read a passage to you and really use our time together as an introductory message to our sermons over the next several weeks, talking about the importance of spiritual disciplines and really talking about really what those are because I want us to be disciplined because I believe that prayer in private produces power in public. And I want our lives to impact the people around us for the glory of God. But we'll never get it if we're not disciplined. Read with me, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the, the church in Corinth. And starting in verse 24, he says this, do you, know, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get the crown that will not last but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air, but I discipline, there's the word we don't like, I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Here we have Paul writing to the church in Corinth, who in those days, they would have been very, very familiar 
to the illustration of these athletic games that he's speaking about. Paul, just like Jesus, always spoke in a way that people would understand. That's why I love to use video game analogies to help explain the Bible, because I want to speak in a way that all of us can understand. I want to speak in a way that makes sense, that we can relate to our lives. And Paul is using these athletic games because back then they would have understood it. And he says, starting in verse 24, he says, Don't you know that in a race all the runners will run, but only one of them will get the prize? Run in such a way as to get that prize. Now, I want to be clear to you. Paul is using this analogy of sports and running to talk about our Christian faith and our Christian life. But I want to be very clear that he's not saying that all of us can follow Jesus, but only one of us is going to get the prize. Only one of us is going to make it to heaven. That is not what he's saying. But what he is saying is, can you imagine if we as followers of Jesus knew that ultimately our salvation, our ability to be forgiven by God, if we knew it was actually dependent on God's forgiveness towards us, but that we also worked as hard, trained as hard, disciplined ourselves as hard, as though if we didn't, we wouldn't get the prize. Can you imagine if we found the perfect balance between I know that it's all dependent on Jesus, but I'm actually going to work like it's all dependent on me? That I know that if I skip a day of prayer, I'm not going to not get into heaven. But what if I prayed with that same passion and tenacity? What if I served God with the same tenacity that I'm trying to run this race because I want to get the reward at the end? And if I don't discipline myself, I can't win the race. He's not saying that if you're not disciplined, God doesn't love you. He's not saying that if you don't pray seven days a week, you should be filled with guilt like other messages have ever heard. But he is saying, could you imagine the impact in the world we would have if we knew that we weren't performance-based, but we still tried to perform anyway? Can you imagine the impact you and I would have? Can you imagine how deep our relationship with God would be if we could lay back and be relaxed knowing that my trust is in Christ, my salvation is in him, but I'm going to work so hard almost as if it is dependent on me. Can you imagine the balance of effectiveness we could have if we knew at the end of the day, I am going to get a participation award. I am going to get to heaven. I am going to be saved, but I'm going to run and work so hard because if I don't get first place, I won't get anything. I don't know about you, but I don't always work that hard. I don't always discipline myself to that level. But can you imagine if we did? The impact we would have on the world around us for the glory of God. I want to trust in Jesus knowing that I get the prize, but work hard almost as if it depends on me. Verse 25 it says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Everyone who tries to sign up for these, these sport games, whether it's a race, football, whatever it might be, everyone that wants to have a part, they need to go into a strict training. Because if they don't, they won't stand a chance. Can you imagine seeing a UFC fight? Well, one guy's been trained for the past year, and the other guy was like, yeah, I'll just show up on fight day. Dude's going to get obliterated. It's not even close. You can see it when you're watching esports games, where one team is dominating the other, and you're like, does the other team even practice? Like, 
Did they just form the team yesterday? Like, what's happening here? And it's evident that one has gone into a strict training and one hasn't. Maybe you've known some people in the faith. They're like, dang, how often do you pray, bro? Because like, when you speak, I, I can't stop but listen because I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. When Billy Graham stepped on stage, people listened, not because he was important, but because he had such an anointing that God had given him that he had developed through his disciplines. But you can also tell, if you've been in church long enough and you've been in a service and maybe you've heard a message, if, you, if you've been around faith long enough, you can even discern, he just might be winging it. I, like, I don't even know if I like sense the presence of God here today. Like, Did he just show up and like, YOLO this whole thing? Like You can discern like, what's the training going on behind the scenes. Because prayer in private produces power in public. And that's who, that's who I want to be. I want to be someone that when I'm delivering God's word, when I'm talking to someone at Starbucks, they're like, you're not even saying anything profound, but something's different about, about that guy. Because of the discipline that is going on behind the scenes, and the same thing applies to our spirituality, that discipline. Maybe you've talked to someone, and off the top of their head, they're able to just like quote a bunch of scriptures. And they're like, oh, yeah, that story in the Bible. But how did they get there? They had to discipline themselves to, to read it. Sometimes when I'm on stream, I have to look up where a verse is. And no, the expectation shouldn't be that I should memorize the entire Bible. But sometimes like, man, I should, I should know where that is. You think about preachers who prepared sermons before the days of Google. Can you imagine trying to study God's word before the days of Google? We're like, oh, I, I, I know that verse. Uh, yeah, let me, just, let me type in a few key words and Google will finish the rest for me. But they, they didn't. Billy Graham didn't have that. Billy Graham probably had a Bible that was almost destroyed because he had flipped through it so many times. Yeah, I, I, think, I, think, the, I think it's somewhere around the book of Isaiah. There was a professor I had in college. His name was Brother Richie. He had had the same Bible for over 20 years that he had read so many times that I'm not even exaggerating because we would put him to the test. We would give him a random verse, and he would be able to not only open, like he would take the Bible. Let's get a close-up right here. He would open the Bible, and he would know, and he would flip almost right to it, but then without even looking, he'd be able to tell you that verse is over here. I'm dead serious. He, sometimes he'd be off by a line or two. I mean, give the man some grace, you know what I mean? Like, but like for the most part, and, and we, we'd be like, no, you planned that. And we'd give him another one. And he'd be like, oh, yeah, that book, that book is like here. And he wouldn't look. And then we'd give him a verse. He'd be like, yeah, it's around there. I was like, I don't even know if I'm saved. I should probably get saved right now. I was like, how many times have you read this book that you know exactly where it is? And he didn't do it because... If he didn't, God didn't love him. He did it because he loved God. He did it because he was disciplined. And he wanted to be a good professor and teach us the Bible. So you know what he did? He went into a strict training where he disciplined himself to read it over and over and over and over again because he understood the importance of his role as a professor teaching future pastors. But I think some of us will let our hook ourselves off the hook a little bit easier because, well, I'm, I'm not training future pastors, so I, I don't need to learn the Bible that much. But the reality is we've been given a great calling and a destiny to fulfill the great commission 
to reach souls that are far from Christ. You are interacting with so many people that don't know Jesus. I'll tell you, the standards are high because the stakes are high. The standards are high because the stakes are high. Eternity is real. Jesus is coming back. And God is too good for us to not share the world, share with the world that Jesus is alive. But if we're going to do that well, it's, it's going to start with discipline. We want to find the balance between trusting God and it's the Holy Spirit that draws. But I want to be disciplined because I, I want to get the reward. I want to keep running the race. The same verse in the second half of 25 says, They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Paul is speaking here again and using these metaphors about sports and athletic events that these people are willing to train and train and train and train just so they can get a crown? Today, so they can get a gold medal and a blue ribbon that won't even last forever? that eventually will tarnish, that eventually when you pass away, it's probably maybe at some point going to end up in the trash. That's what you're working so hard for. And there's nothing wrong with working so hard for that. What he's saying is if people are willing to discipline and train that hard just for a crown, saying I want to race one time, how much harder should we be working to win a reward that lasts forever? Our faith. Our relationship with God, souls for Christ, the stakes are high, but so are the rewards. And I want to ask the Holy Spirit to transform my life so that I dig deep into his word, so that every day I don't just have a desire to play Valorant, but I have a desire to say, you know what, I'm getting off the game because, man, I haven't talked to Jesus today. I don't want to lay my headed bed at night and be fine with the fact that I haven't spoken to my king today. I don't, I don't want to go to sleep at night going, oh, I didn't read the Bible today. Oh, no big deal. I'll read it tomorrow. Again, are you forgiven, loved by God if you skip a day? Yes. But why do I want to skip a day? If I really believe his word is true, it's the bread of life, and that it is, it is my guide to victory in this life, why would I, why, why do I want to skip a day? Why do I want to be okay with the fact that, man, I didn't, I didn't get to be in his sweet presence today? How many times have we picked substitutes over being in the presence of God? I've done it. Oh, you know what? It's been a long day. Let me, just, let me just hop on some Call of Duty, make me feel better. While at the same time, we have access to the presence of God. Well, at the same time, you know what, dude, it's, it's been a stressful week. Let me just pop on my favorite streamer and just, and just laugh a little bit. People use Twitch as an escape from the struggles of life. When I've had a long week, dude, I want to pop on something, whatever my favorite game at the moment is. I want to watch someone else clicking faces, bro. I don't even care if you read the chat. Kill everything you see because I wish I was you. <laughs> and it helps. It does. I love it. But at the same time, you know what's a better escape? The presence of God. But I've got to discipline myself to get into it. Because what we're talking about with our faith and reaching souls for Christ, that's a reward that will last forever. If people are working hard just to get a crown that will eventually fade, how much harder should I be working to do something that 
impacts the world for the glory of God. Verse 26, Therefore I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. And I love this verse because in this verse specifically, I want to point out three things that I believe Paul is talking about. The first thing I think he's talking about is purpose. Look what he says. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. Paul's saying, I'm not running aimlessly. Many of us probably in our life and in our faith probably feel like we're just running around aimlessly. Like, I don't even know what my gifts are. I don't even know what my purpose is. I don't even know what my calling is. I don't even know what I'm good at. I don't think that I can make an impact in the world. And why would I waste my time training for a race I know I'm going to lose anyway? Why, why would I even spend time developing my gifts? Because I'm not going to be the best. I'm not going to spend eight hours in AIM labs every day because even if I did, I'd still be mediocre at best. Why would I even try? I'm just walking around aimlessly. I'm not really doing anything super purposeful with my life. And oftentimes, we don't discipline ourselves because you really believe that even if you did, it wouldn't matter anyway. But I've come to declare to some of you in Jesus' name, your life has too much purpose. Your calling is too great. Your destiny has too much magnitude for you and I to allow ourselves to continue to live lives that lack discipline. You've got too much potential. We serve a God who's too good, who's too big, and a story that's too worth sharing for you and I to continue to live our lives not achieving our full potential because our lack of discipline is holding us back. We've got a God to serve, broken hearts to heal, marriages to restore, people to save, and a gospel to share. We've got too much to do to let our lives continue to go undisciplined. And I don't know about you, I want to do more but I know that I'll never achieve it if I don't get discipline under control. If I keep missing days, skipping days, letting other things fulfill me more than the holy, true, written word of God, we'll never reach our full potential. The world doesn't need better content. They need the presence of a real, living God. We don't just need better gamers. We don't need 4K streams. We don't need better graphics. We need people to experience the written holy word of God and experience his presence. But that doesn't come unless we're disciplined to go out and reach the world. But then when we get in public, we need to be people who prayed in private, that had the discipline so that we're impacting the world around us. In this verse again, Look at it. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. You are not running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. I love this metaphor that Paul is using because especially when he's talking about discipline, the crazy thing about this analogy of shadow boxing, you're not actually boxing someone else. You're just boxing the air. You're not actually fighting anyone else. There is no actual opponent. And the crazy thing about the game of self-discipline is that you're both the playable character and the final boss. Discipline is so hard because you're the one you're trying to beat. Discipline is so difficult because you're the one whose struggles you're trying to overcome. 
You're the one whose habits you're trying to change. You're the one whose will you're trying to overcome. Sometimes you might be able to convince somebody else to do something, but how many of you know it's really hard sometimes to convince yourself to do something? Man, there are moments where I'll have a three-hour conversation in my mind convincing myself that I need to do this, need to do this, and by the time I'm finally like, you know what, I probably should, it's too late. Like, there's not enough time left to do it. I spent so much time shadowboxing nobody that when it actually came time for the fight, for the journey, for the race to be run, yo, the race is already over, bro. What do you mean you're ready to run now? It's, it's, it's been done. That was on Tuesday. You're talking about it's Thursday. You're just, you just shadowboxing nobody. The difficult thing about self-discipline is you're the person you're trying to be. And Paul understood that discipline is really hard. Because it's not just doing what we want, it's doing what we need. But sometimes we don't want what we need. And sometimes it's me. Sometimes it's me. Struggling to discipline myself, to go on a journey of reading God's word. But the third thing that I think Paul is saying just in that verse, he's not just talking about purpose or understanding who is the enemy you're trying to defeat, but also understanding you got to have a strategy. Look what he says. He says, I'm not running like someone who's running aimlessly. Someone who's running aimlessly, like they don't know what they're doing, but they also don't know why they're doing it. They don't know why they're doing it. How am I going to achieve this? How am I going to be able to actually do this? you got to have a strategy when going into self-discipline. you got to be able to have a strategy if you're going to be able to get discipline and a control in your life. And I think the biggest reason at times that I fail is a lack of strategy. When we talk about prayer, okay, you want to be someone who prays every day. What's the strategy? Well, I just, I just, I just hope that I'll do it more. I love hope, but hope is not a strategy. Well, I, I want to I read the Bible. Okay, what's the strategy? How are you going to get from point A to point B? How are you actually going to accomplish these things? And that's what I want to talk about over the next few weeks as we talk about spiritual disciplines. But you got to understand, if you're simply relying on hope, you're running a race aimlessly. Uh, yeah, I, well, I, I'm a Christian, so I guess I should, I guess I should pray. Well, I, I'm a Christian, and you know, the Bible's true, so I, I, I guess I should read it. But the thing is, people are left feeling so much guilt when talking about discipline because we think that the only way we make discipline possible is simply by relying on yourself. And when you rely only on yourself, then when you lose, you're the only one to blame. Well, I didn't have enough strength. Oh, I didn't, I didn't have enough self-control. I couldn't do it. Some of you have been trying to start something or stop something for years. Whether it's stopping watching pornography or starting to pray every day. We've been trying to do it for years because we're relying on our own strength. The strategy isn't relying on your hope. It isn't relying on hoping that you do something. The strategy is relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible even says in Galatians 5 that the fruit of the Spirit, there's multiple of them. Kindness, gentleness, but one of them is self-discipline. But here's the thing about the fruit of the Spirit. If you don't know the metaphor that's being used when you hear the term fruit of the Spirit, it's like talking about a tree that, gives, that bears fruit. 
But an apple tree bears apples. But oftentimes what happens is we live our lives as a follower of Jesus, but what a true test of your commitment to Christ and the Holy Spirit will work in your life is the fruit that you bear. It's the fruit that you bear. And ultimately, the ability to produce that fruit stems from the tree that you're attached to. And if you want to be able to have the fruit of the Spirit that is self-discipline, we've got to be connected to the root who is God. Because if not, we start getting things all confused. Apple trees, they bear fruit to apples. Oranges, same thing. What happens is as followers of Jesus sometimes, we've convinced ourselves that we're disciplined. And yeah, I wake up super early in the morning, and I pray, and I do all these things, and we can get these arrogant mindsets like the Pharisees of the Bible, the really obnoxious Christian people that even Jesus was like, you have this whole thing all wrong. And they think they're bearing fruit, but they're bearing the wrong kinds of fruit. They're bearing all the wrong things. They think they're an apple tree bearing fruit to apples, but they got rotten apples. And then they walk around with this puffed up arrogance. Oh, I'm full of the Spirit. Brother, you're full of something, but I don't know if it's the Spirit. And we are walking around thinking that we're better than other people because we're disciplined. Because I wake up early and I, I, have, a, I have a really, really strict bedtime routine. I wash my face and brush my teeth and I'm in, I'm in bed by this time. That we think all of a sudden... Because we're doing those things, we think that we're better. But discipline isn't just about being disciplined. It's about why are you being disciplined. And that changes everything. And when you're trying to be disciplined so that you can just be better, then when you fall short, you're left feeling guilt and shame and disappointment. But when your strategy is I'm going to get connected to the Holy Spirit so that I can live out his word and be disciplined so that I can honor God, not gain his approval, it changes everything. Some people, when talking about the Christian faith, they'll try to work so hard to gain God's approval. That's not what I'm telling you. I don't want you to work hard to gain God's approval. I want you to work hard because you already have God's approval. It's an act of gratitude. It's an act of appreciation. God, because you loved me, I will be disciplined in my returning love to you. But I'm not going to run around aimlessly for 20 years and then 20 years later wishing I was finally able to do it. So over these next few weeks, we're going to break down some practical principles of spiritual discipline. But I want to ask you, what's your strategy today? Are you going to get yourself plugged into an experience group? So you can be surrounded by nine or ten other people that can keep you accountable. Hey, I know that we're all trying to like, you know, pray and read the Bible more. How's that journey been going for you? Or are you going to keep thinking that faith is a solo game while really understanding it's a multiplayer? Are you going to get around people that can hold you accountable? Are you going to finally sign up for an experience group because you've been putting it off? Oh, I've heard Pastor Susie talk about this like nine million times. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe next time I'll get myself plugged in. No, no, no. Today's the day. Because if we're going to be disciplined, we're going to need an army around us, reinforcements, people to encourage us, people to keep us strong. We're going to have a strategy. If I'm going to be disciplined, i got to have the right motives. i got to trust the Holy Spirit. But i got to, I got to have people that hold me up. Otherwise, I'm going to keep falling for the same things and giving up 
and not accomplishing what God has called me to do. i got to have strategy so that I'm not running aimlessly. The final verse, verse 27. But I dis- discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. I want to help us understand this final verse before I end our time together. But look at this. It says, I discipline my body and keep it under control. I don't know about you, but I've had many, way too many to even keep count. Times in my life where I've got discipline locked down for like three days. I mean locked down for like a week. But I just can't manage to keep it. Just can't manage to keep it. Man, maybe some of you, man, I haven't watched porn in like two weeks. But man, I really wish I was going like 20 years. I can't manage to keep it under control. I can't manage to keep it. And I think the reason is because oftentimes we treat discipline like a sprint rather than a marathon. Well, I'm just going to be good. I'm going to put all my effort and spiritually, mentally, and physically exhaust myself for three days And I got nothing left after that. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And I want to encourage you to get around some people who that when you start getting tired, they can remind you it's time to keep on fighting. We've got a God to serve. We've got a kingdom to build. We've got a church, and we've got a people to keep on reaching. And it's imperative that we keep it. Because here's what I don't want to do. I don't want to speak a message talking about the importance of discipline, and the next year, let's visit it again because we've all fallen off the wagon. What if we could keep it? What if we could be consistent with our discipline, asking the Holy Spirit not just to change us for a week, but to build new habits in our lives that draw us closer to Jesus so that we make an impact for the glory of God. Last part of that verse, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. This is where people really, really, really misunderstand both discipline and this verse. Paul has been talking about this idea that running a race and competing is like the faith that we live. And I want to be very, very clear. You would be in grave error to think that Paul is saying that if you don't have that discipline, you will be disqualified from your faith. Well, if you don't pray every day, if you don't read the Bible every day, then you're disqualified. That your salvation is somehow undone because you weren't disciplined enough. No, 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 no. The idea of discipline allowing you to be effective in your calling for God is not just the idea that you need to train for one race, but the idea that you're going to have to train again for the next one. People that make it to the Olympics and even win first place If they don't train and continue to keep on training, next time the Olympic comes around, they're not able to say, well, I was in the last one, so I should be able to be in this one. Well, I've done great things for God before, so I I guess God would just keep using me. No, no, no. we got to keep on being disciplined. we we got to keep on trusting God. we got to keep on praying. we got to keep on reading his word. Just because I did something one time doesn't mean that I can get lazy, doesn't mean that I can just keep on doing nothing and expect to attain the same 
results. I've got to keep on being disciplined. He says, I got to keep on doing it because if I don't keep on doing it, just because I achieved something one time doesn't mean I'll keep on doing it. If we want to grow this church, we're going to have to keep on reaching people. We're going to have to keep on seeking God's face. We're going to have to keep on trusting God. Otherwise, we're not going to keep on growing and changing people for the glory of God. It don't matter that we did great things in year number one. If we don't keep it up, we won't do great things in year number five. We won't do big things in year number six. We'll have disqualified ourselves from being able to step into the next thing that God wants us to do. It was great that God has used you, but don't you want him to use you again? Don't you want him to do it another time? Don't you want him to do it again? And I would challenge you that this entire idea of discipline, it it doesn't stem from how strong you are. It doesn't stem from how self-controlled you think you are. It all stems from the question of who is your Lord? You see, this is the end of chapter 9 that we're reading. But if you were to read all the way back to the beginning of chapter 9 and even chapter 8, chapter 9, the subtext, the title, is Paul surrendering his rights. Paul starts talking about the fact that there are all these opportunities that I, that I could do, but I won't do them because I know that God is bringing me in a different direction. And some of them aren't even bad. One of the examples is, is he's doing ministry and reaching people, but he won't receive any type of financial compensation for it. Not because it's bad if people do that, but because he knows for him, God doesn't want him to do that. And ultimately, he's like, I would love some more money, but God is saying no, so who am I going to listen to? Am I going to listen to my desires or listen to God's desires? Self-discipline isn't about being strong. It's about answering the question, who is Lord? Me or God? Because when I keep on failing at discipline, what it shows me is that I need to keep on surrendering my rights. That sure, I I would love to sleep an extra 30 minutes so that I don't have to wake up early and pray. But I need to ask myself, who is my Lord? I don't always get to have what I want. God wants me to have what I need and to have what is for his glory. And I disqualify myself when I think that I am my own Lord. But today I pray that you'll join me in making Jesus your Lord. And I don't just mean for you that I've never been in church before. I mean for every Christian in this room. I mean for every Christian watching online, everyone listening on Spotify, watching this on YouTube. It's time that we start inching ourselves off of our own throne and saying, Jesus, I know that, that I, don't, I don't want to do this or I would really love to not do this. But every time I'm fighting discipline, I want to ask myself, who's my Lord? And if it's me, then I'm going to get my way. I'm not going to do it or I am going to do it, whatever it might be. But when I ask myself, who is my Lord, if the answer is Jesus, that is what gets me out of bed 30 minutes early. That's what gets me to Alt F4 in the middle of a game and to open up his 
word. And we're going to talk practically about what spiritual disciplines are and how to actually do them. But if we don't understand why we should do them, why would we do them in the first place? Why would we? And the importance is understanding that Jesus, he is our Lord. And I am surrendering my rights. And I want to invite some of you right now to join us over the next few minutes and over the next few weeks in a time of prayer where I want you and I together to begin to experience the presence of God. And I want to tell you, starting next week, I want you to mark your calendars. Our church is about to go into a time of prayer and fasting for 21 days, giving up something, disciplining our bodies, disciplining our minds so that we can grow in our relationship with Jesus. And I know that we haven't had time this year to talk too much about what fasting is, so I want to encourage you to join me if you're listening to this and it's still time, Monday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on this same channel. I'm going to be doing a teaching on fasting specifically as we go into the next few weeks, Monday at 4.30. I'm actually going to be talking about a teaching that I did two years ago where I really broke down, like, what is fasting? How does it work? Why should we do it? What does it look like? But, like, real practical, like, even if you go 21 days without food, like, how do you stop fasting in a way that's healthy? And then I'm going to do a and a It's going to be about 90 minutes in total. And I want to encourage you to join me on this channel, Monday at 4.30. We're going to talk all about it, but the reason we're jumping into this next season is because we want to go deeper in our relationships with God. But you will not go deeper if you do not get disciplined. And that goes for me. Fasting is one of those things. Praying, reading God's word, worshiping God. These are all things we're going to spend time talking about for the next few weeks. But I don't just want us to talk about stuff. I want, us to, I want us to do stuff. And so I wonder, maybe you and every person in this room, and especially if you're watching online, and I'd really challenge you with this, that if you don't have some kind of medical disability preventing you from doing what I'm asking you to do, the answer no will really give you a heart check. And I want to invite you to join me right now as we surrender our rights and understand that Jesus is Lord. And one of the most best disciplines you can ever do to remind yourself of who you are and who God is is a physical act of submission by getting on your knees. And I want to invite every one of you, wherever you are watching in the world, to join me by literally getting on your knees and bowing before the king. He, he's not just God. He's not just a nice guy in heaven. He is our master. He is our Lord, and I bow before my king. When you get to heaven, people are always saying, yo, when I get to heaven, I'm going to have a list of questions that I'm going to ask God, and I'm going to have this and this. And this. Let me tell you, when you get to heaven, your first response will be to bow before your holy Savior as you gaze upon his beautiful face, as you are awestruck by his glory, as you are awestruck by his presence. Can I tell you, it's healthy for you to get on your knees before a holy God. To remind yourself, the king doesn't kneel before the servant. The servant kneels before the king. And I want to invite you, even online, you may have never done this before, but if you're a follower of Jesus, you've acknowledged that he is king and that he is greater than me. 
He's bigger than I am. I'm not too proud to acknowledge that the one who created the universe, he's a little bit more special than I am. He's God. And you in your living room, you in your bedroom, with your entire family, I want to encourage you to join me on on your knees. And we're going to spend just a few minutes surrendering our rights to a holy God. Surrendering our rights to the King of kings and Lord of lords. And inviting his presence to be here. And today, God, publicly, live on the internet, where I can imagine that some people are watching, wondering, what, what in the world am I seeing? And I, and I pray that they would know that what they're seeing is people that truly, truly have been convinced that there was a holy God who's alive and active. People don't do things like this unless they've truly be convinced that Jesus Christ is real. And I pray that today we would surrender our lives to you in every, every area. I pray today, Holy Spirit, that you would join us in our living rooms, in our bedrooms, in our cars, listening on audio. We just, we just, we just invite you. We invite the presence of God to be with us. And we surrender ourselves to you as Lord and as Master. And we pray, God, that over the next several weeks as we begin to go into a season of praying and fasting and learning spiritual disciplines, we ask you, God, that you'd help us to put our trust in you and not just in our own strength or our abilities. We're, we're putting our trust in you, God. I pray for those that for a long time have maybe walked away with guilt and shame because they don't pray every day, because they don't read their Bible more. I pray that that guilt will just begin to fall off in the mighty name of Jesus. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And I pray that God, uh, a sense of joy, but also a sense of conviction would challenge us, not motivated, God, by your anger or your hatred, but motivated by your love for the fact that you know, God, you have better for us. But the God, the best thing that you could ever give us is actually more of yourself. And a deeper, intimate relationship with your presence, God, that comes through discipline. We can have as much of God as we want. So what we're asking you today, God, is help us to want you more. Help us to love you deeper. Give us such a deep, profound love that God, just like we can't imagine going a day without watching Twitch or playing a game or whatever entertainment we love because we love it so much, I pray that, God, you would break our hearts at the thought of going to sleep without having spent some time with our King. I pray that, God, we would begin to miss you. I pray that, God, we would begin to desire to want to read your word. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would infiltrate our hearts and minds with a, with a deeper passion for you. God, at many times we don't love you the way that we should, and I, and I pray that, God, you would help us to love you more, to love you the way that we should. And, and I ask you in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, help us to invite you, but also help us to surrender our lives to you Jesus, you are not just our get-out-of-hell-free card. You are our king. 
You are our greatest treasure. You are our greatest desire. You, God, are the thing that our heart desires. And Jesus, I pray that we would treat you as if you were such. Forgive us for the moments when we've settled for a, a cheap replica of you by going to video games or Twitch as our first point of escape. Nothing wrong with entertainment. But God, it is wrong when we think that entertainment will do more for us than your presence will. Forgive us for the days where we've settled for a substitute rather than going to the source who is our Savior, Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you would help us to be people the next few weeks who would really open up our hearts and minds to surrender our rights, to start making practical decisions to become a follower of Jesus. And Holy Spirit, we just ask you to take control. We just relinquish it to you. We just relinquish it, relinquish it to you today. And we invite you to be with us. And we just want to spend a moment, Holy Spirit, just, just worshiping you. I'd invite all of you watching online in the room, even maybe you've never done this, but even just to, just to lift your hands. And to lift your hands with, a, with, a, with, a, with your palms facing up. Really, what this symbolizes is is that I am just crying out for my need for you. Like a child calls for his father. God, we, we need you. We love you. We honor you. But we just pray today, God, in the mighty name of Jesus, that we would exalt you above our lives, that we would put you on the throne, that we would speak to our own selves to say, get off we're making room for Jesus on the throne. His will, not my own. My life is no longer mine. I've been bought with a price. And we just worship you because you're holy, because you're good. God, we do not thank you because of the things you do for us. We thank you because you're God. We thank you because you're good. We thank you because you're holy. God, if you never did another thing for us, you've already done enough. Already done enough. More than we could ever ask, think, or imagine, and definitely more than we deserve. And we just cry out and say, God, if we're going to get discipline under control, what we don't need is to muster up enough strength. What we need is a deep, deep revelation of the Holy Spirit. And we invite you to be with us. We love you, Jesus. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And I want to speak to some of you today that maybe you've, you've never been to church, never made a decision to follow Jesus, and you're looking around and you're seeing me and you're asking yourself, are these people seriously like on their knees? The most humbling position a human can even get into? Maybe you're wondering, why in the world would anyone do this? And I would tell you, we do this because it is our honor to lay our lives down for a king named Jesus who laid his life down for us first. I, I'm not ashamed to kneel on the internet in front of you because here's the deal. I, I want you to experience what I've experienced. I, I want you to experience the deep, profound love of God that, that he has given us through his son Jesus. I want you to experience it. And I want to invite some of you today. Maybe you're here. Maybe you're still sitting. 
because you're not a follower of Jesus. So why would you be on your knees? But I pray the Holy Spirit is drawing you right now. He's drawing you. You've got something going on in your soul knowing there's something greater. There's something deeper. There's something different. I've watched a lot of Twitch streams, but none like this. And what you're not experiencing right now is high production. What you're not experiencing right now is good communication. What you're experiencing is the presence of a real God. Most of the video games that we play are fake, but the God we're talking about is real. And I want to invite you, maybe it's crazy, to literally in your room right now to join me getting on your knees as a physical act of right now, I'm about to surrender my life to follow Jesus. And here's what I want to do. I want to invite some of you. If today you're making a decision to follow Jesus, I want to ask you to do something bold. If right now you're either coming back to relationship with God after a long time or saying yes for the very first time, I want you to join me on your knees, bowing before a holy God, and I want you to type in the chat, put your hands up on your desk, grab your phone, and if you're saying yes to Jesus for the first time, I want to invite you right now to literally say, I surrender to Jesus in chat. I I surrender to Jesus. And, And what I want you to do is I want you to pray this prayer with me as you make a decision to say yes to follow Jesus. We got one already in the chat. I surrender to Jesus. Ex Roca, super excited for you. God bless you. Maybe there's some during second service right now saying, I surrender to Jesus. People acknowledging, I need more. I have sinned and I want God's forgiveness to experience new life with him. And if that's you, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. God, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. And I ask you today, God, to forgive me of my sins and I invite you to be my Lord and my Savior. Help me, God, to surrender my life to follow you. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen. And as you rise to your feet, will you celebrate with those that are giving their lives to follow Jesus? Come on, somebody. God's on the move. And friends, I want to invite every single one of you to really stay locked in over the next few weeks. Stay locked in over the next few weeks because we're going on a journey of prayer and fasting. Talking about spiritual discipline. I need more discipline in my life. And I know that many of you do too. And I pray that you'll join us. Hey, if you just made a decision to say yes to follow Jesus, I want to encourage you to do one thing. I'm going to put it in the chat right now. Exclamation point, next level. Hey, will you go ahead and click that link that pops up? What that's going to do, it's going to give you some resources on what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? You probably just witnessed that we're doing a lot of things that maybe you've never seen before, that maybe you don't understand. And here's the deal. We want to take you on a journey of walking alongside of you. We want to have some of our pastors reach out to you to congratulate you, asking, hey, how can we be praying for you? We don't just want you to be a viewer. We want you to be part of our community. We want to connect with you. So I will challenge you, click that form. Learn about what it means to read the Bible, to pray. And what does it mean to be water baptized? Stay tuned. The next few weeks, we're going to be talking about those things as well. And friends, we got to say thank you. Because every week together, we're getting a chance to experience the love of Jesus. We're getting a chance to see people for the first time. I see names in the chat I haven't seen before saying yes to follow Jesus. And this is made possible through your generosity. And I want to say thank you so much to everyone in the room watching online. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your giving. Every single week, people are getting to hear the story of Jesus. Many are saying yes. 
me are growing in their faith and sincerely from the bottom of my heart. We want to say thank you. Thank you for joining us as an act of your worship to entrusting your finances to God through God Squad Church so we continue to make an impact for the glory of God around the world. And, and I want to challenge you, maybe you've never given, maybe today's a great way to start. We've got multiple safe and secure ways for you to be able to give. You're seeing some things on the screen. You can go to the panel below, click on the give link. You can give through PayPal. You can also head to our website, godsquadchurch.com, and you can set up any kind of giving you want, one time or recurring. Last but not least, everybody's got a cell phone. You can text any amount that you'd love to give to the number 84321 to support God Squad Church. Any amount you're able to give, big or small, is incredibly grateful. I want to say thank you so much for your giving.